It's September 1st, it's Flamingo Friday, and I know we are 23 days from the autumn equinox, but it's starting to feel like fall. So we decided that we're going to give you our five stocks we're buying in September. Now, we have had some questions on how we are able to purchase stocks on a monthly basis. The question has been, do we sell some of our stocks in order to purchase others? We just wanted to share a little bit about how we run our portfolio here. We are net savers each month, so occasionally we'll take a little profit off of some of our long-term stocks, but usually it's from our monthly savings that we're purchasing new stocks. There's also times where there are companies that we have purchased the stock and it's just not working out and we no longer want to own the stock anymore. And so we'll sell that stock and repurchase something that we actually do want to own for the long term. Some of our stocks are in a dollar cost averaging plan on a monthly basis or on a quarterly basis. And other times we, we have a little cash in our portfolio for when a good deal comes along and we'll take a nibble. With that, we'll jump into our five stocks we're buying in September. What is our first stock that we're buying, Nick? Hey, Casey. These first two are actually a repeat from August. If you missed that video, all those seven stocks that we mentioned in August are actually still on our buy list. So if you missed that video, check it out. Uh, Casey, you'll drop the link here in the video to that. But the first one is Amazon. So we talked about this a little bit last month, but e-commerce is back. It looks like it's finally making a comeback after a bit of a slump in 2022, specifically with Amazon, their digital ads business and their third party services are growing at a very healthy pace, specifically third party seller services. So these are third party merchants that use Amazon's e-commerce marketplace to sell. Uh, they can also go out and purchase services. It might be something like managing an ad campaign, managing their inventory, shipping and logistics services, that sort of stuff. $32.3 billion in Q2 2023. That was an 18% year-over-year increase. And then advertising specifically, almost $10.7 billion in the last quarter, a 22% increase. Casey, we like this because this is Amazon acting as an e-commerce platform for other companies. You could almost think of it more like a Shopify versus Amazon acting as its own merchant, its own e-commerce business. Uh, these two things, highly profitable business models, much more profitable than just simply selling product themselves here. And of, of course, we think AWS has bottomed at about 11% growth last quarter, coming up on nearly a 90 billion annualized run rate in revenue for AWS. Uh, we think operating margin will reaccelerate from here as well. And it's a chip stock. Uh, Annapurna Labs was purchased uh, eight years ago, and they are designing their own chip. We think this chip business, while maybe not all that big of a deal right now, it looks like Amazon making some decent progress designing its own chips and always something that we keep an eye on here when assessing the semiconductor competitive landscape. Stock number two, Livent. Livent stock prices come down significantly as lithium 
prices have been falling again. This is mostly due to the Chinese economic slowdown concerns. And we think this is close to the floor for lithium pricing, but demand is going to continue climbing higher. So Nick, why is Livent a buy for us in September? Yeah, Casey, this one's a head scratcher. It had looked like lithium prices had stabilized back in May, June, uh, coming down again, like you said, China worries. So Livent currently already profitable despite this decline in lithium. Merging with Alchem, it looks like that deal is still on track to be completed by the end of this year, which will make what we think will be a uniquely vertical integrated business. Of course, Livent, a little bit of lithium mining itself, but Alchem, a, a lithium miner based in Western Australia, merging with Livent's primary focus on refining the lithium and getting it ready for production in things like an electric vehicle battery. We still think this is a nice complement to our primary holding in Albemarle, one of the leaders in, in lithium production. So with Livent stock falling in tandem with lithium prices, we think this is a good ad right here. Now, we'll do note here, and we'll reveal a little bit about our portfolio in the process. We are close to a full position in lithium. Lithium is kind of like our bet on base materials. So by the time we make another purchase here in Livent, Albemarle and Livent together will be about 4% of our total portfolio. And from this point forward, we'll employ a rebalancing strategy. If the position is plus or minus 1% from that 4% target position of our total portfolio. So if Albemarle and Livent jump in price and become 5% or more of our total portfolio, we'll probably skim off those profits and bring them back down to 4% of our total portfolio. And vice versa, if they were to fall further and become just 3% of our portfolio, we'll buy the dip and bring it back up to 4% here. Stock number three, ASML. ASML is down about 12% from its recent highs in July to $660 per share. Nick, why are we adding more ASML to our portfolio? Besides it just being a wonderful company, we're ultra long on ASML. The company already has a fantastic track record of being a great compound growth machine. And we think that just continues through the end of the decade. Uh, expectations, roughly mid-teens, maybe 20% earnings compound growth through 2030. This one's simple, Casey. We talk about this all the time. So I don't think this is going to be a surprise to anyone. But with all the new semiconductor fabs being built and all the semiconductor fabs being retrofitted with new equipment, expanded so that they can make more chips, Virtually all of them are going to need at least deep ultraviolet, DUV lithography machines, if not extreme ultraviolet, EUV lithography machines. And ASML is the leader in both of these equipment types. We think they take a sizable chunk of the profit when companies like Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing, Samsung, and Intel duke it out for chip manufacturing prowess. They can give and take market share all day long, but a large part of the actual profit from expanding that manufacturing is going to flow to ASML 
and the other Fab Five companies, uh, Lamb Research, Applied Materials, Tokyo Electron, and KLA Corp. So that's why we like ASML. There are a few risks with ASML currently, and that's why we are going to be just adding a small amount to our existing position. One thing that was mentioned was there's a possibility that this big surge in deep ultraviolet machines to China could be just these companies stockpiling equipment. Nick, do you think this might be because of the purchase rules that are happening against China with leading edge equipment? Yeah, Casey, it certainly could be if you're a Chinese chip manufacturer, you're no doubt worried that the current rules against importing leading edge equipment continues to expand. And I think probably some worry that maybe even the DUV, deep ultraviolet, which is basically think of it as the previous generation lithography equipment for manufacturing chips, those also get taken away. Maybe perhaps there's some stockpiling going on. It's hard to say. Management said that currently, of course, companies like TSMC, Intel, this year is a down year. And through the first half of 2024, they expect orders to resume for extreme ultraviolet equipment. However, after that, there is some cloudiness to the expectations and the outlook, but they do feel like the orders will come in. But some risk there. We don't know exactly who was going to be ordering these EUV machines and if they will for sure. Yeah, but at the end of the day, Casey, like you said, these orders will have to be placed, especially the next gen EUV machine, the high NA EUV machine. Uh, those orders expect to start shipping out in 2025. Intel, very interested in catching up or exceeding DSMC's manufacturing capabilities. Of course, TSMC does not want to lose that leadership. Uh, Samsung is in there as well. SK Hynix. Micron, all of these companies interested in eventually increasing their chip manufacturing capabilities, they're going to have to go through ASML. So again, like you said, a bit of cloud cover second half of 2024, but long-term we think ASML is just fine. Let's move on to a new stock that we will be adding to our portfolio, Shift4. Nick, can you give us a little background on Shift4? Yes, let's give you a little background into our portfolio that's allocated to digital payments. So we've owned Visa for many years, MasterCard for almost as long, and this forms our base digital payments investments. Think of these as like the rails of the digital economy. No matter which digital payments or fintech company you're talking about, there's a really good chance that they're using the infrastructure to move money around built by Visa and MasterCard. So if you recall, a few months ago, we shared an article that I wrote about getting tired of some of these smaller digital payments companies, specifically as the battle between companies like PayPal and Block heat up. And then sure enough, come out late August, all of these headlines came out about this competition and uh, including bigger players in Europe like Audion and all of these big players competing for big white label merchant accounts. And as the competition increases, 
they're offering more and more incentives to these customers, which is sending profit margins for PayPal, for Adyen, uh, sending those profit margins lower. That's been the conversation everyone's been talking about in the digital payment space. Enter the company Shift4, because we still like the digital payment space, but we felt like it was time to find a smaller company that's benefiting from this price war that Nick was talking about. Shift4 historically has been servicing small hospitality outfits, such as restaurants and motels, hotels, but has been moving up the market with big sports and entertainment venues as well. And then it also handles global payments for Starlink, which is the satellite internet unit of Elon Musk's SpaceX. Yeah, that's an interesting little thing. So all of you investors interested in investing in Elon Musk's venture, while you can't do so directly, more than likely you can't anyways. But maybe a little bit of a backdoor here through Shift4. Uh, their founder, CEO, Jared Isaacman, he's a pilot, an astronaut, space enthusiast. So perhaps that's why they landed that account with SpaceX. At any rate, Shift4 at this point has been primarily focused on the U.S. and they're gearing up to begin international expansion. Uh, in addition to that, again, Casey, you mentioned them moving up market, landing bigger and bigger deals. In addition to the digital payment space, they also compete with Shopify a little bit, offering some e-commerce solutions for some of these merchants as well. Casey, we're looking for a smaller stock that is benefiting from the current price war in digital payments rather than having to sacrifice profit margins. And I think that is what has drawn us to shift for as we've dug deeper into it the last few months. This is one we passed on in 2021 but have come back to again. And we think for us, the price looks uh, appealing at this point. They're growing very quickly. Profit margins are on the rise rather than on the decline. And as though that combination can be very powerful, uh, we like those two things together. So this is a new stock we'll be adding to our portfolio this month. Off camera, Nick just asked me what I like about Shift4, and I said, it's not block, so it's fine. There you go. That's my two cents on Shift4. Let's move on to number five and my favorite company in this list on holding or on running shoes, ticker symbol O-N-O-N. Nick, why are you finally allowing us to add this to our portfolio? I'm not allowing anything. You're deciding to buy it, you're actually going to finally pull the trigger. And I'm fully on board at this point. The last time we mentioned it, we were talking about Crocs and Croc stock is cheap. That's your other favorite shoe, right? Folks, everybody, if you don't know this, Casey almost exclusively wears Crocs and on running shoes. And that's really all she wants to wear. At any rate, since we talked about that, on has continued to fall after their last earnings update. And for a company that's growing as fast as it is, we think it's a compelling long-term value or maybe growth at a reasonable price. On grew over 60% year over year in the first half of the year, but is expected only to grow 30% year over year in the second half of this year. So that could be one of the reasons that the stock price is down. Nick, is this something to be concerned about 
going forward? Yeah, since Casey, we have been following this company since the IPO a couple of years ago, and it seems like this story is not new. They always report that there's this coming slowdown the back half of the year, and then they exceed expectations. Maybe they will again this year. Maybe this is finally where we see a significant cool off. We'll have to wait and see. It could simply just be that inflation is catching up with even some of their consumers, which seem to be more than willing to spring for the higher average selling price per shoe uh, than you know your other average running shoe. So maybe it's inflation. Maybe this is just a temporary headwind and they return to stronger growth next year. Either way, 30% growth is nothing really to be too worried about. That's still a really strong growth rate for a company that's now well over a billion dollars in sales on an annualized basis. Uh, so we like that. And as the company continues to expand, their profit margins are improving. And actually, ironically, as their growth rate starts to slow, we'll probably start to see a more dramatic increase in their profit margin metrics. Because interesting thing, we're talking about a retail company, which is a completely different business dynamic than chip stocks and tech stocks like we are almost exclusively talking about here. But what happens when you're a fast-growing consumer products business, as you're growing, you have to shell out a lot of money on product, your inventory. You can't just you know expand into a new market without your product. That maybe is like a really obvious statement, but I think worth pointing out anyways, because it might be missed that actually profit margins will rise as ONS revenue growth slows because they're not having to go out and purchase so much extra new product to expand their global presence. It's a bit of a trade-off for a company like this, but given the price right now, if those profit margins do make a dramatic increase as the revenue growth slows, we think the, the stock price is a reasonable value. Nick, maybe we could just briefly touch on what and one other reason why shares have possibly fallen since earnings, the exchange rate. And I know we've done a video on this before, but maybe you can just do a refresher for us on why the exchange rate, which on is a Swiss company, so they measure their finances in Swiss francs. So why is this an important point for U.S. investors? Yeah. So Casey, link the video to January where we talked about the value of the U.S. dollar having a big effect on companies. Uh, for a U.S.-based company, if the value of the dollar skyrockets, uh, that reduces the value of your revenue and profit. And then when the value of the dollar falls, it actually increases the value of your international revenue and profit. Now, the inverse is true for a company like On. When the Swiss franc falls in value, uh, that's a good thing for your foreign revenue and profit. So that was a benefit for On last year for their international sales. And now this year, the franc rocketing in value against the dollar, which reduces the value of their revenue and profit when they're converting those foreign sales back into Swiss francs. That's what's happening right now. The company's net income tanked because of those foreign currency exchange rate effects. So something to keep in mind here, it's probably just a temporary situation. Foreign currency exchange kind of comes and goes. Uh, but at the moment right now, the strength of the Swiss franc is a headwind for on because of their international expansion. And as a result, net income was close to nil 
on an operating basis, the company is very much in the black. They're highly profitable, but the market, I think, was a bit thrown for a loop by the foreign currency exchange losses on the Swiss franc. I just want to make one quick plug for on running shoes. I know they are on the spendier side, but very comparable to most high-end running shoes. Had a, I've had these shoes for a number of years now, so check out On Running Shoes. I feel like I'm getting sponsored by On, but I'm not. But anyway, just my personal opinion here. It's a great shoe, and we think a good stock. Not a chip stock. These last two, not chip stocks. So sorry, folks, if you're here exclusively for the chip stocks. Uh, we get lots of questions for what else is in our portfolio, and so we're slowly revealing that. And we are working on a new project uh, that I think might give everyone further insight into our whole methodology. So stay tuned for that. We're coming up on the one-year anniversary of Chipstock Investor as well here in just a few weeks. So we're going to be doing a one-year review on our semiconductor portfolio specifically, which we still think is the foundation of the new bull market that has started. Stay tuned for that, everybody. And next week, uh, more chip stocks coming your way. I think uh, the big one everyone's waiting for, Broadcom earnings, which were pretty rock solid. Uh, and then also we'll be talking a little bit about CrowdStrike and what they have to do with the GPU or maybe specifically what they're doing with GPUs. Stay tuned for that. See you all again next week at Chip Stock Investor. <laughs>